What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio Show right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Ride the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Twisted Souls. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome friends, you're tuned in to another episode of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran, thank you for your time and your company for the episode today. Um, the podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, uh, the online internet radio station that broadcasts from London uh, in the UK and is incredibly fortunate to host shows from across the world including Niigata, Japan, Melbourne, Australia, San Jose, uh, California, Denver, Colorado, Paris, France and various parts uh, of course of the UK. Uh, so thanks very much for tuning in. I'm so incredibly excited uh, for our episode today. Uh, this episode of the Blue in Green podcast sees us having secured time with the incredible Jeremy Lloyd uh, from Ink Project fame, from Blind Color uh, fame as well. We are uh, discussing uh, well, everything really, but um, most notably we're discussing the uh, return of Ink Project. Um, their new single, Feeding the Fire, uh, featuring Corey San, is out now. Now the third album from the group uh, is on the verge of release and uh, we get to discuss uh, everything um, involved with the the group kind of through their quarantine period through uh, preparations for the third album and um, we get to discuss all things blind color as well and what's really really fascinating is the fact that for both projects we're approaching the 10 year mark so 2021 will be uh, their 10 year celebrations for the incredible achievement uh, of, of hitting that uh, that momentous milestone so uh, it was super cool to kind of discuss that with uh, uh, with Jeremy. So uh, I want to thank him immensely, immeasurably, shall we say, uh, for his time. Uh, we um, regular listeners of the podcast will know we feature two songs through uh, out each episode. Our guest, in this case, Jeremy, will pick the closing number, uh, but I have the luxury of picking the opening one and. Um, I thought it would be fun to turn back the clock a wee bit with my uh, Ink Project selection. And uh, this is a song that we discuss in the podcast, so I thought it was apt for anyone who hadn't heard it. Uh, I thought it would be apt to include in this instance. And this is their cover of Blondie and Rapture. So uh, it made incredible waves upon release, and it's something that still sounds incredibly fresh uh, after all these years. It's such a great, great version of the song. Um, it's, in, it's an inspired version of the song. So uh, thrilled to have it as my selection uh, and then following this number we'll go straight to our conversation with Jeremy uh, thanks very much for tuning in friends I know you're going to enjoy the episode immensely uh, please feel free to visit us at blueingreenradio.com for our never ending stream uh, of uh, music celebrating contemporary soul jazz uh, broken beats funk uh, blah, latin hip hop etc etc um, and if you visit the website you'll find our complete list of podcast guests as well so thank you very much for tuning in and I very much hope you guys enjoy the show.
doing very well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for your your time. Are you well? I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm really good. Um, slightly worried about the peak in uh, COVID infections at the moment, but I guess my life hasn't changed massively since uh, all this madness started. So I'm just kind of running the label, doing a couple of remixes, doing my day job, doing some DJ mixes, just kind of juggling and multitasking really to keep busy. Because um, I guess if you work in music, whether it's a hobby or full time, now is quite a good time to really lose yourself in it. So I guess the whole of the last year, really, or well, since it started, I've just been editing music, finishing things off, working with artists, and uh, keeping busy. Well, that was actually going to be my my first question. It's really encouraging to hear that you've got you know your your experience thus far. You know, it hasn't been a particularly negative one. Um, have you kind of I mean, did you have any sort of, I don't know, touring plans or anything to sort of hit the road that, that has been impacted at all? We did have some gigs this summer because we just put our first single out, which was actually mm. due out at the beginning of the year. But because of the whole lockdown thing started, oh, wow. we just decided to take our time finishing it, get some extra remixes and just kind of lengthen out all the releases. So we've got like two singles, loads of remixes coming and then we've got the full album so, yeah, we were going to do some summer festivals around the UK. Um, and also I was going to do some DJ gigs, which I was looking forward to, but it just yeah. didn't happen. So um, it's been quite nice because, like I said, I've just spent lots of time in the studio. And Corey, he's been back and forth between Bristol and um, uh, Paris. And he, I don't know if you know this, but he plays bass for Calypso Rose, who's obviously a huge Calypso star. Right. And yes, he goes yeah. on tour. He tours with her most of the year. And then in between touring with her, he kind of does some music with me, plays with other bands. He, he does all kinds of projects. So me and him were going to do some festivals, um, but it didn't happen. I mean, for me, it's not a big deal because I just play live occasionally to have fun, really. But I think for mm. him, he's more of a, a full-time musician. So I think he relies more on the income as well as you know the yeah. whole experience. It's more of a kind of takes over his life, I suppose, on the live side. But yeah, yeah. It, it's been fine, really. I've just been focusing on making music, um, which I'm kind of happiest. I'm happiest just sort of being behind the scenes, you know, tinkering in the studio and discovering new music, working with artists and doing all the kind of label side of things. That's really encouraging to hear. I, I suppose a lot of conversations I've had recently have been those uh, touring musicians who who obviously have just found themselves completely stuck and have sort of turned to to like Facebook Live or or, you know, being able to kind of, perform or sort of continue their collaborations and everything so uh so it's really encouraging that you've managed to maintain that kind of creative uh spell and and managed to, to be as productive as you sounds like you have been which is really really encouraging yeah i think when you run an independent label like we do i'm kind of finding myself managing kind of four or five different roles <laughs> so i have to do video editing i have to kind of do the final mixes work on the artwork yeah. with the designer you know, work with different creative people on videos. We've had a video shot in Paris, uh, which was featuring Corey for our first Ink Project single. And then we've done another one with Fifi Wrong, who's guesting on the next single. Amazing. And that was shot in Berlin. Then I've just been kind of doing all the marketing stuff, all the publishing, you know, the usual kind of boring backroom stuff. But it's, it's I just see it as a whole process because first and foremost, I'm a creative. And I, you know, I start at the beginning collaborating with different people always experiment in the studio, come up with the ideas, which is obviously the hard part. And then 
mold it into some kind of finished product, whether it's a single or whether it's an album. But then I guess once the creative process is all done and dusted, I think on this album we just finished, it probably took about three years. We probably had about 20, 25 songs, and then we whittled it down to probably about about 16, and then we just were kind of tinkering even further. And then eventually it gets finished, and we decide all the artwork, and then it's just kind of thinking about marketing and, you know, more the business side of it, administering all the songs. And the next stage, I'm hoping next month, is to start rehearsing because we want to start doing some gigs next year, maybe some kind of little tour from February onwards. Mm. So we're kind of looking into getting some shows. But again, it's, it's still quite hard to plan it because yeah. we don't really know when the live scene is going to start opening up. Um, so we're a bit in limbo land, but <laughs> I, I'm always just working on music anyway. So I'm just kind of waiting until we find out more about the whole touring situation and whether we can mm. start you know, working with booking agents and all that side of things. So it's quite nice. We're just in a bit of a vacuum and we're all just kind of talking a lot and planning everything together. We're all quite excited. And I think with everybody online now, at home, a bit bored, <laughs> probably <laughs> listening to their records a bit more than they would usually yeah. uh, and, and jumping into Spotify, we've been kind of just thinking about online and just kind of planning campaigns. And I've just been like discovering loads of new music and, you know, playing old records and, thinking about new production techniques, you know, all this, you're always busy, you know, there's, there's, mm. there's never nothing, you know, that you can't learn that you don't know about. So right. it's been good. Yeah. It's just been like a period of uh, music. <laughs> I think my life at the moment is probably 70% music. And then <laughs> the rest of the time I'm, I've got a little boy and, uh, you know, I see friends, oh, but, lovely. you know, it's, it's, you know, I haven't seen as many friends as, you know, I would usually like most people. Absolutely. Um, but it's good. It's just a strange period, I think, for the world. So I think people involved in music, we're lucky because we can just escape into our own world mm. until it's time to come back to reality. <laughs> you, you mentioned, I'm always fascinated by uh, someone like yourself who you described yourself as a creative. So having to wear that many hats from a, a, a label or management sort of perspective, I mean, how, how do you find that? I, I know you sort of you, you've already mentioned that the creating part is is the fun part but you know now you're in that position of right now I need to do the the marketing bit the sales bit I mean how do you kind of is that something you just accept that has to happen or do you find a separate kind of joy in that as well um I've never really thought about that but yeah I mean I'm, I guess I'm quite fortunate in that my day job is traditionally in marketing so when I was playing in bands when I was younger and I, and I came out of college and I thought, you know, what am I going to do for a career? I wanted to be a musician or a studio person or an engineer. I wasn't sure exactly. But at the time, the music industry was kind of folding a bit on itself. All the major labels were losing their power. The indie scene was kind of flourishing. This is probably the early 2000s, late 90s. And I'm sure you and the listeners know, you know, the 90s was a real golden period of music, especially yeah. in London, because I grew up in South London. Um, oh, cool, so me I was too. always sort of going out raving to, I was quite into the whole underground scene at the time. Right. I was going out to like house and techno clubs, all different sorts of clubs. You know, one week it'd be like the end or some underground party, and then it might be a drum and bass night. And then I was also listening to like Giles Peterson and yeah. all the kind of, you know, the, the whole array of music he was... Uh, playing at the time and um I was just kind of in party land really but my day job was in marketing so I learned about 
I worked at a few music companies. I learned about writing press releases, about how to run campaigns. And really, it was just on the side with a hope to do music full time. But it was I just thought, well, the type of music I want to make, it's never going to be that commercial. So I have to just do music as a love. And I'm quite happy just doing stuff that's more experimental and just for the fun of it and enjoying the process and then having a day job that somehow keeps me going that I'm not bored of. Um, and then eventually, quite some time later, we were kind of looking around when we put Ink Project together after a couple of years of making loads of music. We had different meetings with different labels. I won't name the names of the labels, but they're quite well-known kind of indie labels. And uh, lots of talks about putting out some of our music. And it just seemed like it, it was quite tricky to get the right sort of deal. And because I was doing marketing and it was just before Spotify appeared and you had like people selling on iTunes. Vinyl was still quite big. Well, I just thought, why don't we just go the self-releasing route and we can do all of our own social media, build up our email list um, and just put out the music we want and just kind of cut out all the middlemen. It might flop <laughs> or it might take a long time to, mm. to get off, but it was a bit of a challenge. So I kind of took on the the role of, you know, doing all the administering of the releases um, and then coming up with the marketing plans. And it was very small scale at first. And because I was doing a lot of press, it was, you know, writing the press releases and then just promoting it all to bloggers. And we got lots of good blog coverage. And then one day we got Giles Peterson picked up one of our tracks from our first album when we put it Crazy. out. I, I think I just emailed one of his team and then he played it. And it was about a week before the Worldwide Awards. And I was going to go down there anyway, just, just for a night out with some mates. And I thought, well, I might go and see if I could find Giles and just say thanks to him. So I ended up kind of walking upstairs and uh, they let me into some back room and he was in there. And I just had a massive chat to him and thanked him for playing our tune. And from the back of that, we got introduced to like publishers and we just started getting loads of gigs. So we were playing at festivals and it became kind of something that was we, we had to take a little bit more seriously, but I think we were ready for that. And uh, when I was doing live stuff with Mel, we went all around Europe. We went to like Austria, France, Italy. We played all over the UK. And it was just me on my laptop with a drum machine and playing keys oh. and, and Mel singing. So it was quite a kind of minimal setup. And we were pretty young. We didn't really know what we were doing. Um, and then we were just self-releasing our music. And then, I think from that stage, I just thought, well, I quite like the idea or the challenge of running a label and just kind of releasing artists that are fairly similar to us, but in the same kind of independent vein as the likes of Warp or, you know, Groundswood or Ninja Tune and those kind of labels, mm. um, but always keeping it small and just finding artists that were quite unique, fairly experienced in their own way that just needed a platform. And I could effectively work with them as a kind of manager stroke label and just kind of craft campaigns and just get exposure for their music. Um, and it's never with a view to kind of becoming mainstream or anything like that. It's always been about releasing interesting fusions of music. And it, recently, you know, I've got a lot more into the kind of global world music uh, kind of side of things. And I think, yeah, we're kind of moving in that direction, but... I ultimately come from an electronic background and also I love soul music as well. So I, you know, I listen to a lot of old soul stuff, but then the modern soul stuff that I kind of discovered through, you know, Giles Peterson and people like that. So 
yeah, I think I probably diverted from your original question a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfectly fine. No, it's, it's fascinating kind of learning about, I kind of love the way that you you guys just sort of said, well, I mean, this is something we can do ourselves. And the fact that you had that kind of marketing uh, kind of background to draw on, I mean, it's, it's as um, kind of kismet as it could have been really. And it's, it's, this is all coming up to that, your, your 10 year mark as well, isn't it? I think it is actually the 10 year mark next year, which is, yeah. well, it's kind of gone really quick. Cause I mean, yeah, I think when you run a label, you probably talk to a lot of people that run them kind of just get caught in a bit of a vacuum time bubble and sure yeah, and suddenly you realize that oh, we put out god how many releases and yeah i don't know what we'll do i haven't really thought about it because we're so busy releasing this ink project album more albums as well i'll probably do i was thinking about doing some kind of compilation maybe like a limited a run vinyl of, of some of the best tracks from all the artists on the label something yeah. like that um yeah we'll see but um yeah i mean we've worked with lots of different really talented people i've been so lucky actually to just meet all these people you know and what i tend to find is every time you put out a release you meet different people through the process of that release or when it's out you might do mm. gigs and then you end up just meeting people that introduce you to other people and you know music's like this constant journey um it's very unpredictable but it's a fascinating journey and yeah it just keeps going and going and uh yeah, it's only a small label, but we're just kind of keep, keeping it manageable and it's fun and all the music, you know, everyone that makes the type of music we release, we're all quite like-minded. Um, we all come from different backgrounds, really different backgrounds, some of us, but we're all kind of independent people and we just want to, you know, put out music we like. So, yeah, it's been great. It's been good. I don't know where it's going to go from now. I've got no, I've got no idea. <laughs> I'm not really a big long-term planner, um, so I really just do this as a labour of love on the side. Because um, yeah, I mean, I am a creative, really. I, my thing is making the music and then working mm. with other musicians. But it's just nice to have a little platform that we can use to put out our music without too much stress and having to work with a big label and all the different teams. So yeah, it's it's good. I I think it's been. I've learned a lot. You learn a lot when you run a label. Um, yeah. You make a lot of mistakes. And then you just learn from those mistakes. And for me, it's always about enjoying the process. Every time we find an artist and we kind of, you know, get presented with their music and we choose the best tracks to put out, molding it into a release, you know, working with them to come up with a release that kind of represents them and that they're happy with. You know, a lot of it is kind of selecting tracks, dropping tracks, just lots of kind of quite close working and then mm. coming up with a campaign. So... I just try to enjoy the process because these days, you know, when you release music, it's always a bit of an experiment. You never know when a, if an album or a release is going to flop or if it's going to do really well. And yeah, it's just a nice process to kind of follow through with an album after you've worked on it for so long. Yeah, I, I absolutely can imagine, particularly as you mentioned with the new uh, Ink Project release, uh, having sort of worked on it for I think you said three years which is really really exciting so I mean that in of itself is a great way to sort of commemorate the 10 years you know the new the new album uh from from the collective that's a that's a super cool sort of you know commemorative milestone in of itself isn't it I think so yeah don't hold me to that that's just an idea I thought of just now (laughs) but um yeah I mean we've had I mean when we started it was me and Melanie and uh me and her used to go raving together and we basically met through some mutual friends so we were just kind of going out partying and then a 
can't remember how it happened, but I think a friend of hers said, oh, Mel's got a great voice. You guys should do some music together. And I was kind of very into the sort of 90s trip-hop thing at the time. I was going out, you know, listening to dance music. But when, when I was coming home or going around to mate's houses to have chill-out sessions afterwards, as was pretty common in the 90s, you would just end up at someone's house for like two days afterwards. And there'd always be a random bunch of people in someone's living room. And then, you know, people would just select different tracks. And back then, down tempo was quite big and sort of soul music and stuff. So we would just, and you know, like ambient as well. So we'd just be at people's houses. And I think Mel just said to me, oh, yeah, I'd love to sing on some tracks one day. And, and I was kind of listening to bands like Lamb, Truder and Dorfmeister. And I was thinking, I'd like to do a down tempo project, but work with a singer. Um, maybe with a view to doing live stuff. And Mel had that kind of Nina Simone kind of old soul voice. And I thought, oh, I love cool. that whole, you know, that texture of that voice. And she, had, you know, when she was singing to me, I thought, wow, she's actually got a really great voice. But I don't think she'd really discovered that herself. So we used to just go back to my house and just tinker around, you know, with different ideas. And we were doing that for about a year and a half. Then we thought, let's put together an album. We made an album. It didn't really go anywhere. Um, I don't think we even really put it out. I think we just kept it between ourselves and some friends. And then we thought, let's do some new tunes after a break. And then I think I'd stepped up my production quite a bit by then. And I bought loads of plugins and I'd learned a lot of techniques. So me and her started making some new stuff. And then we did this first album. Um, and then, we, like I was telling you before, we did lots of gigs. And then after that, I went to see Tricky. Um, at, where was it? It was in London. I was actually on a date with an ex-girlfriend. She was she was a Tricky fan, and she said, "Oh, why don't we go and see him?" So we went down to where was it? Oh, I can't remember. It was somewhere in Covent Garden, and uh, we were just watching Tricky. And the first act that came on to support was Fifi Wrong, and I'd never heard of her. Mm. And I was watching her, and I thought, "Wow, she is amazing. She's really unique. I've never really seen a Chinese singer." you know, singing like that. And I thought some of the beats I've got at home would actually suit this really well, just kind of, you know, f- fantasizing in my head that this girl might actually like to sing <laughs> some of my tracks, you know, deluded after about 10 pints of cider. And then I got, <laughs> I got home the next day and I thought I'm going to contact her and just see. So I sent her an email and she just replied to me straight away. I sent her loads of ideas and she said, yeah, when I finish touring, you know, I'm always up for collaborations. So I think we met up a couple of times and uh, she sung over a few of my tracks. And then I was working on a second album. Mel was featuring on a few and Fifi as well. And I thought, yeah, I like I love soul music. I like electronic rhythms and I like fusing them together. But I also love reggae and dub. And I thought the reason I like reggae is because I'm half Kiwi and I used to go to New Zealand a lot when I was young. And whenever I went to Wellington, there's a huge reggae scene out there. You've got bands like um, Fat Freddy's Drop, Fat Freddy's Drop, the Black yeah. Seeds, and then you've got Salmonella Dub, Pitch Black, which is more electronic. But there's just mm. a huge reggae scene. And then I was coming back to South London. And I was going out to drum and bass raves and dubstep and stuff at the time. So I was just listening to a lot of dub influenced music, and I thought I'd like to do some dubby stuff. Not necessarily kind of scream in your face dubstep sort of stuff, but more. I guess it was kind of post-dubstep, but with a reggae singer, because I liked a lot of the Massive Attack stuff um, right. and Lee Scratch Perry. So I was looking around for a, a reggae singer, and Fifi, she said, oh, I did this gig 
the Bristol Harbour Festival in Bristol, and I met this guy who performs called Corey San. And if you're looking around for a sweet reggae vocalist, he, he might be perfect for you. So she introduced me to him, and then I went down to Bristol, and we just kind of hit it off straight away. And he was like, yeah, man, I'm really up for singing on your stuff. And we, I think we wrote like three or four tracks in quite a short space of time. And, yeah, we just decided to start playing live together because I thought Corey was playing bass with Calypso Rose, you know, unbelievably lucky to meet this guy. And we were musically just completely on the same level. And we just thought, let's just have some jams. So we used to, I was living in Brighton, he was in Bristol, and we would drive halfway, meet each other in this middle of nowhere in this place called Trowbridge. And it was like a huge old barn that they'd recorded into rehearsal rooms. And we would just take all our gear up there. He took, he took his bass, his theremin, and I took all my kind of electronics. And we were just jamming in there. And then we started doing loads of live gigs. And uh, that kind of lasted for a few years. We played all over the UK, really. And then he featured on three tracks on the last album we did. Yeah. And he obviously does his own, his own solo stuff as well. Um, and it's been nice because I guess... It's, it's not like a typical band setup where there's guitar, bass, singer, and it's just that setup that played together for years. I guess it's a kind of bonobo-y kind of massive attacky setup where I kind of produce, but then we get different singers in from different backgrounds with different kinds of vocals and also different lyrical themes under some kind of ink project banner so that it's always changing. Um, but then if we hit on formulas that work, we just keep going. And, you know, with Fifi now, I'm still working with her. She features on the new album. I kind of, yeah, we're just really good friends and I kind of help her out with advice and we're like-minded and she's into the same sort of music. But obviously she's become really successful now and she she sings in Yellow, she's done stuff with Tricky, she was on Skepta's album um, and she's got this new album that's coming out soon which is just so amazing. I, I'm amazing. probably one of the only lucky people that's heard it. Um, so yeah, it's it's just been a lot of fun and very we've come at it from an artistic point of view where we don't want to sell out we just want to make good kind of experimental soulful uh music with grooves to it um so yeah we're kind of coming out with this third album um in february and then hopefully we'll do some live shows next year that's yeah you mentioned those are the third album uh rhythm spirit i believe is the the title that you're going with at the moment uh and if you worked on it like for three years you must have started it very soon after the second one right obviously Satellite came out from 2016 yeah there was a bit of a break because um i moved to brighton and i met my current fiance and we just fell in love and we had a little boy and we got engaged and all that so, so I was kind of, I needed a break from the music, but one of the reasons I moved down to Brighton, I had a job where I was freelancing down here, but I thought if I move down by the sea, I can just chill out a bit more and uh, set up my studio and try and do a second album. I think it's just because the first one was a lot of fun and there were lots of ideas that we'd started on for the first album that were never fully finished. And then I had lots of other ideas just from that period in between the first and the second album starting. Because I'm just a total music junkie. I, I listen to all sorts of music and I'm always getting ideas. So I, yeah, I just like to kind of keep being productive. Um, mm. And yeah, there, there wasn't a huge gap, no. And that's why, I mean, even this third album, I think I took a couple of 
yeah, probably like five months off. And then I thought, oh, I start getting itchy feet and I just want to get back in the studio and putting ideas together. So I, yeah, just kind of always try and be productive. That's very cool. So you mentioned, obviously, the fact that the the new single, Feeding the Fire, was... I mean, it's it's sort of just it's just come out last month. I was that was, that was going to be my question about uh, did it was it sort of all put together during quarantine stuff and hence being released now? Or you've already mentioned it. Kate, it was actually supposed to come out at the top of the of the year. So I wondered if it was a reflection on sort of your ex, your respective experiences over the last six odd months. That's a good question, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like these kind of questions because they make you think back and really at the time I didn't have a clue. Um, but yeah, I think I think with that track, it's got an interesting 7-4 or 7-8 time signature. And I, I listen to a lot of Broken Beat. I, I know all the guys like Co-op Presents and um, I used to go down to Co-op a lot in the 90s. Mm. And that's obviously a Broken Beat night, but they played all sorts of music, Boogie, Funk, Soul. And I just love that kind of choppy rhythmic approach where they're even kind of taking rhythms from like Caribbean music and then fusing breakbeat. But I thought I'd quite like to take a broken beat approach and then just not make it four, four <laughs> and then somehow just put weird sounds in there, you know, that, that are somehow quite groovy. So I got loads of wooden spoons and I just played them really fast into a mic and, and quantized them a little bit. And then I thought it'd be really interesting to do an off kilter broken beat tune but with reggae vocals and Corey's quite into well he's massively into dub and also he loves broken beat and breakbeat so we were thinking why don't we get your vocal put it over the top and obviously it's not going to be very dj friendly but <laughs> it's going to be kind of experimental but it might it might sound rubbish might sound good and i think yeah i just was focusing on it from from that point of view and then Corey just came up with the themes of the track um and i think when we play it to a lot of people now, a lot of people kind of feel like what he's singing in the lyrics, you know, they, they can be quite, the messages are quite almost a little bit negative. You know, he's saying he's tired. We need to get back up, feed the fire. Mm. I think a lot of people at home now, you know, they're feeling a bit like that. So we didn't even plan it like that. We thought, well, let's just put it out as a first single for the album. It might not be that popular because it's quite experimental, but we like it. So, that, that's all that matters really and yeah we've had a lot of people play on the radio we also got some great remixes from Gaudi he's obviously yeah. a, a reggae dub producer works with loads of big reggae bands um he's in African head charge as well he he uh, produces for them and then Babe Roots who are like a kind of uh Italian dub act I'm quite into basic channel which is like old funky techno and they kind of come at techno from a reggae angle. And then we also got Sivvy, because I'm obviously really into Broken Beat, and I love Funk and Soul. And he is just ridiculously talented, and he's put out loads of good music on Car Presents. So I just contacted him, and I thought it'd be nice to have a release that's off-kilter Broken Beat with reggae vocals. Um, broken Beat, which Sivvy does, which is quite jazzy with some Rhodes keyboard. And then two really good dubby mixes. And then we got this guy, El Choup, who's a really good dub techno producer to do a more dubby kind of dance floor version. Um, but then the second single, yeah, we're working on that at the moment. We've done a video. We've got we've got Charles Webster. I don't know if you know him, but he's a bit of a Of course, legend. yeah. Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, that's good. Yeah, he, yeah, his new record's coming out after like 
first time in like many 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 years isn't it oh man i'm so excited because i love that last album he did yeah yeah i mean the new singles are amazing as well yeah yeah the new single where he's got burial to co-produce it um and i had no idea about that i just thought i really want to get a charles webster remix so i contacted him sent him all the demos and he was like yeah i'll do that one i thought i can't believe it he wants to remix one of our tracks that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) um and then we've got um Synchro as well, who's on RNS. He's done a mix. We've got Telemachus, who does kind of really downbeat soul, kind of electronic soul stuff. And he does a lot of hip hop usually on uh, high focus records. And then we've got Pitch Black, who uh, I was talking about the whole New Zealand scene and how it influenced mm. me earlier. They're kind of one of the biggest electronic dub acts in, in New Zealand. Um, and I was listening to them a lot, probably five, six years ago. So I contacted them and they've done a really great remix. So yeah, this new single, I don't really know how to categorize it again. I, I kind of see it as soul music, but very modern and quite dark. So we kind of, me and Fifi call it gothic soul, even though I'm not a goth and she's not really a goth. <laughs> <laughs> even though I, I love a lot of goth music, like The Cure and all those bands. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's kind of, I just, it's, it's soul music really, but it's very modern soul music. Um, it's not just like with a drummer and a guitarist and keys. It's kind of lots and lots of electronics and textures and lot, a lot of ambience in there. So there's that one. And then we've got uh, Yasmin Hendricks, who's the backing singer for Madness. She's got her own solo career. Mm-hmm. She's guesting on a track on the album as well. And she's just got an amazing voice. I'm, I'm sure you're going to hear of her if you haven't already, Imran. She's uh, amazing. I'll send you some links. She's you might want to interview her actually because she's doing a lot of stuff at the moment. So she's guesting on the track, and then the rest of them are kind of instrumentals. I've done a few electronic tracks and then a couple of ambient tracks. So, yeah, I mean, I've been very influenced by Burial um, and his whole approach, and so it's got that quite dark atmosphere to the whole thing. But we work with a really great art worker called Jamie Chipman who's done all the artwork and yeah, we've been working with uh, these videographers as well. So it's been a really good team of just, you know, sound people and musicians and visual people. So yeah, it's quite exciting to roll it all out now. It's just interesting to see the different kinds of people listening to it. So yeah, it's uh, been a lot of fun so far. Yeah, it is. It is exciting. I'm, I mean, I'm just like, knowing what uh i know about saying project and what you're just what you're sort of talking about the album how it's all come together i think it's it's it is sounding um it is sounding really exciting man i'm really looking forward to it i know your remix game as well that you've you know the mentions that you've mentioned Sivy and uh and others you you always get great names uh, i'm just rummaging through the Bandcamp page as well gang colors is uh is, is a super cool name who's sort of appears on one of the, the remixes as well so you always get great names uh so it's kind of cool that you're continuing that for the upcoming project as well i you know i came from dance music but then mm. what we're doing now i see as sort of soul music really um i i like to just kind of have different takes on the originals and and also it's quite good for promoting yourselves and act if you get some bigger names to remix sure um, it just helps get your music out to their fans as well. But it's just nice to get, yeah, different versions of your tracks. Um, is that... Yeah. Oh, so it's so thin trap. I was just going to ask, I mean, I guess I suppose you've already answered the question, really, but is there any part of you that gets um, 
kind of you know so attached to what you've created that there's any level of difficulty in passing it up to someone else to reinterpret in ways that you would not have wanted them to um i try not to get too attached because i i see music as freedom and it's all about sharing it and Mm. especially today when it's actually quite hard to make money as a musician you have to just do it for the love of it and then when it's out there you know it's out of your control so i I think it's just nice to yeah come up with a a basic track and then give the stems to people to do whatever they want whenever we work with remixes i'm never that uh, specific about the style of remix they should do because we're quite selective in the first place to get a group of remixes that we know will do different takes on the original which Mm. will make an overall kind of release that's quite varied so um yeah, no, not at all. I, I, I'm not too precious about how they mangle our original. They can, you know, the more experimental, the better. Sometimes they just do something that complements the original. Other times they'll completely shred it to bits and do something very random. So, it's it, again, it just kind of keeps the whole process a bit exciting and a bit unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a great approach. I, I, am, I don't know, I feel type of person i don't make music but I, I imagine it would be difficult for me to say well you know be, treat it well <laughs> don't, don't go crazy with it and don't do this or don't do that <laughs> yeah it's like like looking after a little pet yeah exactly uh, yeah <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, no, yeah i don't know i mean i think the more you go through releasing music you can quite often kind of get stuck in the same patterns um, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and it's good to just when you work with remixes, they'll just they've got their own patterns you, you're probably not familiar with, and whatever comes out of that process might not be what you would expect from them. Um, and it just yeah, it's, yeah, I just like the the element that it's not too controlled. And like I was saying before, we're all about um, doing music as art, really, and just expression and keeping it free and kind of just letting it flow naturally and choosing the right creatives to work with and then just trust their process know that whatever they come out with is going to be good quality so you know most of the, i've been lucky i've been so lucky so far that a lot of the stuff we've put out um we've all been quite happy with um, but it's, it's all a big experiment i suppose the extension to uh, that level of creativity and freedom and in- interpretation is uh, kind of uh, <laughs> in its own way a smooth segue to the the Blondie cover uh, of Rapture from 2012, which, you know, that made incredible waves for you guys as well. Oh, yeah, you like that one, do you? That's a great version of the song, yeah. <laughs> there was the, the Talking Colour mix as well, which is awesome. I prefer the original, um, but I, I thought, yeah, I, I loved your... Your interpretation. Sorry, when I say I prefer the original, I don't mean blondies. I mean what you your original if you, if you version. Said, no, I wouldn't. Song. I wouldn't blame you because I mean. Can't, no, can't that's, that's no. How, <laughs> how incredibly rude! Can you imagine if I just said, "Yeah, you did a good mix. Well, I prefer theirs, but whatever." <laughs> no, 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 I meant I, I loved what your what your version of the song was, and and it's it's a cool way to address, as I say, for an extension of that uh, freedom and creativity and interpretation. I mean, how do you look back at? at that song. And did you ever hear anything about from the, the Blondie camp or anything? We did actually. Um, oh, cool. I think it's had over like 25,000 views on YouTube now. Wow. Amazing. Um, but it was actually Mel's idea because she's really into disco and we were thinking, why don't we take some kind of semi-commercial or old disco funk tracks and then make them really dark and just make them more electronic. 
um, Gothic disco. We, we had a couple of, yeah, we had a few different tracks that we experimented with and played live. Like we did, um, we did some even like hip hop covers and oh, nice. yeah, Nina Simone and tracks like that. But this one, yeah, I think she just wanted to sing the vocal, and I thought I quite like to do a very electronic sort of left field sounding background. And yeah, we just put that out as a single and we got a Talking Colour remix. I'm friends with Chris from Talking Colour um, and they put their own spin on it. And yeah, it was just a bit of fun. I think what happened with uh, her publishing company got hold of it, Chrysalis Music, and they called me up and they said, we really like this cover. Um, can we, you know, can we use it? And I think they were, they published it on a few films and stuff, but we didn't Amazing. make any money off it because they obviously own all the copyright. Um, and then we just put it out on the label and yeah, it did all right. I suppose we just kind of used it to get gigs and yeah, it was just a lot of fun to make. I've kind of almost forgotten about that track cause it was a while ago. I suppose, boy, Jesus, I suppose it has been eight years and you, you've, you're in the industry of always looking forward, I guess. <laughs> so you, you're forgiven. <laughs> yeah. But it's just nice to do cover versions. I mean, mm. we do, we do that now, um, when we play live and Corey, he's a big fan of like jar wobble and we love Sade as well. Amazing. And what we try and do is just in our live sets, we play some of Corey's tracks, some ink project tracks, and then we'll do a couple of covers. And we, the last gig we did, we headlined uh, one of the stages at the one love festival, which is a big reggae festival. And we did uh, ghost town by the specials oh very <laughs> we do cool. a kind of dubstep version of it and, and, and Corey <laughs> turns on his distortion on the bass and i have like a dub siren and loads of bleeps and noises and it's kind of like a modern version of the original um so yeah i just quite like making covers and i think that's that's carried on since we did that blondie cover which was the first cover we released really out of interest what sade records do you guys go for i'm fascinated now sade Cool. Um, oh, that's hard. I have to think about it, really. Uh, so it's that uh, the Love Deluxe album lends itself to some of those sort of massive attacky kind of numbers, like Feel No Pain and things like that. So I, you know, I'm fascinated by what you guys would do with uh, Sade's catalogue. That's uh, yeah. That's, I, I really that's like um, Diamond Life. Diamond Life is a personal oh, favorite. Um, we yeah, I mean, we just would kind of jam them. Mel when she was. Oh, cool. She's not really with us anymore because she she moved to Barcelona. So that's another reason why we're not working together. Um, oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. But I think it was just the distance. Um, and I mean, she was in London and that's why I got to make so much music together before. But yeah, I mean, Fifi's in London and Corey's in Bristol now. So it's just a lot easier to hook up in person to kind of go through ideas and stuff. Um, but yeah, me and Mel, when we used to rehearse, yeah, we play Sade stuff some hip-hop tracks, um, you know, all sorts of stuff. And sometimes we wouldn't even perform it live. we just, you know, have fun going through it in the studio. And i play the keyboard. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Sade's amazing. She's got an amazing voice. And she's yeah. from that whole era where there was just so much golden music that came out. Yeah. Yeah, inimitable. She really is. Whenever you guys, that's interesting what you said about um, location-wise. Whenever you guys make music together, are you always in like the same space and studio, or are you ever recording pieces separately? Um, the actual recording process, we usually do it remotely, but we tend to meet up um, and kind of jam sometimes, especially before live shows. But a lot of the time, 
I'll kind of come up with a rough idea, like a backing track and some melodies, send it to one of the singers and then they'll write vocals over it. Or they might have mm. a vocal with no backing and they'll send it to me and then I'll just kind of work through a click track and just start building up the drums and the bass. Um, I mean, it, me and Mel used to meet a lot. Me and Corey met a couple of times for the last album just to kind of jam through ideas. But me and Fifi, we mainly work remotely. I mean, she's super busy with all kinds of projects. Um, but we talk a lot, you know, because I, I don't I don't want to be one of these people where you're just working remotely and no one really knows each other. Right. <laughs> it can be a bit strange if you do that, because yeah. the whole point of making music is to kind of, you know, have good relationships and just, you know, work together. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it has been remote um, for this, this last album for the most of it, most part. But then I've been working with a mastering engineer and lots of different people and yeah, we tend to meet up and have a meeting about things and just talk on the phone or on Skype quite a lot. So it's really collaborative. Yeah, I've got to say, I'm 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 incredibly excited for uh, Rhythm Spirit, man. I I, I think you've um, you've set it off wonderfully with Feeding the Fire. Uh, great video uh, for the piece as well. Really great video. So um, it's uh, uh, yeah, yeah, future releases from that are, are, are incredibly encouraging. So. I'm I'm very mindful of time. I've completely invaded your your evening, so uh, <laughs> I'll uh, I'll say uh, a, a thousand thanks for for, for hanging out, um, I, and congratulations as well, man. Like ten years next year for for the whole thing. It's it's incredible how far uh, Ink Project and Blind Color and yourself have come. You you've got to look back at with an incredible amount of pride. Yeah, I do. I suppose. Yeah, I just. Um... Yeah, it's, it's just been like, yeah, putting out lots of music. I mean, you can't really complain. It's been, you know, lots of ups and downs and trying to, I guess, yeah, the thing with running a label is you're always trying to figure out, you know, new strategies and new ways to do things better. So it's it's like a kind of constant conundrum. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it's got to a point now we've built up a, a catalogue of what we would consider to be, you know, some really nice music. And yeah, yeah we're just trying to, kind of work with other artists that are like-minded moving forward and um, just just keep that kind of style going that we're kind of known for now, which is a big mishmash of different styles. Yeah, it's uh, it's incredible how far it's come. You've got Corey's album uh, due out soon as well, right? Deeper Than Skin? Yeah, um, that comes out on Friday. One. Oh my gosh, that's soon. Oh, wow. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, oh. yeah, yeah, he's... Um, He's really excited about that, and it's a really nice album. Um, he's obviously made a lot of music before as well. So, yeah. yes, it's a it's a nice album. It's, it's a, again, it's a fusion of styles. There's some kind of calypso rhythms and bass on there. There's yeah. African, you know, um, Asian, all sorts of music in there, and, and it's kind of underpinned by his bass playing and his storyteller lyrics. And he's got a very deep tone to his voice, and a lot of people think he sounds like David Bowie, and he loves David Bowie. And they oh, wow. call him the Trini David Bowie in his name, Trinidad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yes, yeah, so he's a very, he's an amazing guy, really talented, multi-talented. Mm-hmm. And I would say he's a true artist. He's, he's very, he's devoted a lot of his life to, to doing music full time. He's a very experienced guy, really professional. And he's just got so many different influences and he tries to kind of pack them all in. And I think it's a really unique album. There's a lot of soul to it. It's not a soul music album, but there's a lot of emotion and soul in there. So, 
yeah, hopefully people like it. We've had some good reviews of it so far. And, Amazing. Uh, hopefully we'll, we'll play some live shows next year as well. Yeah. And you're all over that album, I guess. When you say all over, what do you mean? Oh, production. You're, you're, you're appearing throughout the, the, the project as well? Not at all. No, that, that album's all oh, really? his. So he oh, wow. produces, he, he sings, he does all of the engineering. He mixed it. He mastered it as well. So everything wow. on that album is him, you know. Oh, fantastic. Okay, wow. Yeah. Oh, I no, figured it's... it would have been, yeah, like you would have been in there um, um, sort of manning the boards as well. That's really interesting. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I do that for Ink Project when we when we uh, collaborate, but sure. Corey San is, is 100% him. So it's been nice because, you know, I, I obviously knew him while he was doing the album and I thought, I can't wait to release it. But I, he didn't actually present it to me for a long time. And we were <laughs> Like going through all the Ink Project stuff and doing gigs, and I'd always say, "Corey, have you got any new music done?" And he'd be like, "Yeah, it's coming soon. It's coming soon." <laughs> and I knew, I knew it was pretty much finished, um, but he was just taking his time with it. And then when he gave me the album, I thought, oh, "Wow, this is really great!" And uh, I just said, "I'll put it out for you." And we've just kind of, yeah, put it out. Been working on it together, and uh, hopefully, we'll play some Corey Sand songs and some Ink Project songs and come up with some new covers next year when we uh, start gigging again. If we start gigging again, hopefully we should. I know. I got, uh, Yeah, it is it is difficult. I mean, they're talking the current restrictions, wasn't it, for about six months? Well, I don't know if this was ever an official thing or just speculation online, but I think they were saying like six months for the current restrictions. So I have no idea. I have no idea how it's all going to pan out. But We've got an album launch in London for the end of February. Yeah, we're trying to book in some more after that, but it's just difficult. So we've got a few opportunities because we'd like to do a little tour with Fifi because she's releasing her album as well. The idea is to have her singing and headlining and then me and Corey playing in her band or supporting. And she's going to have other musicians and visual artists. But yeah, it's all kind of on hold at the moment until we know more. So we, like I said to you before, we're just focusing on the music and just putting as much out there as we can before everything returns to normal <laughs> if it does return to normal yeah uh, or whatever normal will end up being as well so yeah we're in the new normal now aren't we but i hope it is yeah. i hope it doesn't stay the new normal for, for the rest <laughs> of eternity yeah well oh gosh i don't know yeah who would have thought though a year ago that this would have been the kind of the year that everyone would have been just wishing it to be over but yeah sad it's going to spill over i think so we just have to see how everything plans out, and um, but you've you know you've maintained your 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 creativity and your incredible projects as well. So uh, I suppose that's a huge thing for everyone to be very very thankful for, right? Yeah, exactly. I I, I just try and yeah, just be thankful and you know enjoy the process as much as possible. And yeah, making music's you know really you do it just as a labor of love and try not to think about you know where it will go next you just sort of live in the moment and when you come up with ideas get them recorded try and polish them up over time and um yeah just uh, it's kind of a hobby a really strong hobby for me um that's developed into something else so yeah just keeping busy with it really i think if i wasn't doing music i don't know what i'd be able to do now i I feel sorry for some people that don't have those kind of interests and yeah they might read books watch tv yeah, you can go for walks, but I think after a while I get bored. So I think with music or art or any kind of passion someone might have, now is now is the perfect time to lose yourself in it because you have time. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel like quarantine wasn't was a time, to, you know, to sort of capitalize on certain things. But I guess 
juggling the nine to five with the children and then everything else it was it got a bit chaotic at times but uh yeah it's, you, it's a house full <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I, I know where like. coming from i know where you're coming from man i've got a little boy and yeah he's used to going to nursery and you know going to see his friends on a daily basis and that's been cut down a bit so he yeah. tends to run around the house you know yeah. wanting to be entertained so i've just been kind of making him put records on my decks while I play a bit of dub siren in the background. And he, he listens to my dub siren and goes, Daddy, Daddy, is that a spaceship? It sounds like a spaceship like Octonauts. So I go, yeah. So we just kind of play this silly Octonauts game with me on my dub siren and him getting out some random 12-inch from 10 years ago that I was probably never going to listen to again and putting it on and then nodding his head. And then you can tell he's thinking, I don't understand this music at all. <laughs> so we've had a lot of that. We've had a lot of that, which is actually quite fun. Um, so I've been able to spend a bit more time with him. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> so nursery age. So yeah, he's, he's, he's still in that hype, incredibly hyperactive and requiring lots of attention as you say so yeah it's difficult getting stuff done in and around that isn't it <laughs> well it's just you know they need constant attention and they've Absolutely, got constant yeah. high energy all the time so you've always got to keep them busy and play toys with them and talk yeah. to them and then you know when they're when they're when they're not in a good mood or they're frustrated you have to try and you know i take them out for a walk or we, we go down to the park and i i love it though you know that's part of being a yeah. parent isn't it so absolutely and it's nice that it can take up all this kind of spare time that we have at the moment so yeah i see yeah. myself as blessed and then when he's in bed i can actually finally relax and make some music so yeah it's really good just to kind of become closer as a family exactly yeah and you start to appreciate that after months of it um, yeah so yeah yeah wonderful dude thank you so much for your time uh we talked about a closing song uh something that you would pick something from uh the ink project catalog from the blind color catalog or just anything that you're an absolute fan of or that you grew up a fan of was there anything you had time to to pick out to send everyone home happy with well i was thinking about it earlier and i found it really difficult to zero in on one track i was thinking <laughs> maybe some billy holiday maybe wow. something from Simone. then i was thinking maybe something like New Eureka and Soul Eye and the Black Gold of the Sun, but but the Four Hero. Oh, wow. Remix, because I love that track. Have you heard that Four Hero remix? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Wonderful version. And then I Wonderful thought, well, I, I love stuff like, you know, maybe some Aphex Twin. But then I thought, yeah, I also love DJ Rum. Do you know DJ Rum? He's on I R&S. don't know DJ Rum, no. It's quite kind of soulful electronica stuff, and I've been really into his stuff. But then I thought, well, we talked about Feeding the Fire, so maybe you could play Feeding the Fire perfect choice single that's a perfect choice a very very wise choice yeah excellent <laughs> because I, I guess people heard me ramble on about the, the funny time signature and all the funny different rhythms and they're probably thinking what the hell is that <laughs> so i thought well they can have a listen and then they might understand it so <laughs> excellent
kleines Zus. 